Welcome to Tartar the Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Barrett. Here, we discuss the artist's journey and explore the creative process in the most honest way we know how. This podcast was born out of the love for every artist out there searching for a truth that has become harder and harder to find. (laughs) Just that I could party. Sarah, this is my partner, Mike. Hi. Hi. Nice, nice to meet you. you. You can go sit. Where are we? Wow, this Where's is nice. Guys? Uh, you can right, see, here? Yeah, right, right here. Uh, I don't mind. We do oh. like a different. Oh, yeah. Every time we're trying to improve the sound quality. Oh, gotcha. So I think it's better if I sit here and you sit here because this is the mic. Yeah. Oh, but yes. you're. Okay. You can step out for one second. That side has a table. Oh. oh. I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> I'm just. Yes. Me tables. Is that fine? <laughs> I yeah. Oh, I love Sundays. What are you mix? Oh, is that for this? Yeah, that's okay. for this. Yeah, we're Hello. on. It's happening. Hi. This is Ian. This is Sarah. Hey, nice to nice meet, meet you. Okay, welcome to uh, this week's episode, and we're here with Sarah. Okay, so I have to tell you that the fact that you go by Sawa. Fucks me up because I was like, I had to go to speech therapy when I was a kid because I, I said my R's for W's. So like, I, it's like hard for me to. <laughs> There's this, people always um, ask where it comes from and why and all of that. But they, some people think it sounds like a small kid trying to say Sawa. Sawa. Yeah. But it's from a Japanimation movie. So it's like the Japanese version of Sarah. It's oh, like I was going to ask you. That's yeah. right. I don't mean to interrupt. Can we shut the door? Yes. <laughs> sound, sound. Sound. <laughs> How long have you been going by that? Do you do people call you it also? Yeah, and some people... And do you prefer it? I don't, but I think it's charming when people call me by it because it's kind of a pet name. But it started, I would say, in the early 2000s because I was doing photo shows and I was in a band and... And that just, the nickname had already stuck from that cartoon where someone's like, that's the Japanese version of your name. And then it just stayed through like Suicide Girls and all that because you need a name. And Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's red. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. But I just say, I just associate like being, eating peanut butter crackers yeah. and trying to like correct it. When you, I don't introduce myself as it because people, I don't even say it right. I'll be like, Sawa. And people are like, Sour? And I'm like, no, it's like Sawa. Like, and then I just go, screw it. Just call me Sarah. <laughs> yeah. You're all, but on Instagram. <laughs> Yeah, Sarah's already taken, so I had to go buy that. Okay, Sarah Sawa, you are a model, photographer, filmmaker, street artist, and singer. Sure, yes. Yes. It's hard for me to call myself a model, but I have been in No, but you are. Okay. I mean, that's the first thing that I want to talk about, right? Oh, my gosh. Is, like, (laughs) we have to talk about Suicide Girls. Okay. Right? I mean... It's led to a lot of awesome things. Yeah, I want to hear about it. I mean, I remember when Suicide Girls first kind of came on the scene... It was major because you started seeing like in uh, I don't know if you I don't know if I can call it porn, but like in a different light, girls that look like you or that you yeah. think are tr- are attracted. I don't know. How do you do? You know what I'm trying to yeah, say? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I actually have. Tell me about it. You know what I'm trying to thoughts say. about that because I started with them in 2004, and they started in 2002. So I started with them in the very early stages and there was only maybe 200 suicide girls and now there's over 3,000 or something all over the world and back then it was very taboo like what we were doing it's not porn it's there is nudity but it's very like empowering and there's no sexual acts happening or anything it's just like artistic photography but at that time it was really taboo to even have pink hair tattoos or anything I would walk into a bank or walk into a grocery store and people like breakneck and think you're either from prison or um, the war or something. Cause that's where people used to get <laughs> tattoos. So it's come a long way and it's really weird to be at it in those early stages and now see billboards and national ads with girls with colored hair and tattoos. And, and now there's like tattoo models and all this stuff. And I, I do think that they are a huge part of making, like it's okay now for people to do that, but we had to pay dues for people to do that and I think to say that they weren't a part of kind of making that part of the mainstream would be false so I think it, I think it was a huge part of paving that way so I'm glad I was a part of 
of that, I guess. And what got you, how did you get started? Well, I was already like a photographer and going to photo school and we would just shoot each other because we'd need models. So I would shoot other photo students and they would shoot me. And then I, that site was new and my, I had a few friends that were members and I saw the people on it and I'm like, oh, those are my people. Like, yeah, like I should be doing that too. Cause, cause it was, you know, it was a small niche of a certain part of culture. So I, um, I signed up and. And I became a model first, and then I was like, you know, I'm a photographer too. And then I started shooting pictures for them, and then I started shooting their movies for them. So that's awesome. So was that your first? So let's start from the beginning. Um, what was your first kind of introduction to art, even as a small child, or? Well, I did take pictures as a small child. Um, even I remember being a small kid and like posing my friends on the floor and taking their picture and stuff. Um, as far as art, otherwise, I was never that great at drawing and things like that. So I guess photography was the beginning. And then I got into film. I don't know if that's jumping too far ahead, but I got into film like 15 years ago because I wanted the next challenge. I think photo kind of has a cap and then video... Um, there's like so many more worlds you can create. So I started working in the film business. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but something about you that's very distinctive to me that I really relate to is I think that you find find something, you thrive in it, you love it, and then you're kind of like, how do I move on to the next thing? And how do I continue to find inspiration, not just in one area? Yeah, I've, I've thought that. Also to a point, though, where I was like, am I trying to do too many different things? But I do feel like I've stuck. I mean, I think they've all kind of fed each other. Yeah. And then it all falls under the same umbrella. Because sometimes it's like, maybe just stick to one thing and really focus on that. But I have all these other things I like to dip my hands in. But I think they all kind of feed each other in different ways. And if I hadn't worked as a camera assistant for 15 years, I wouldn't really know how to start shooting my own documentaries or things like that. So I think all that different art and photo and video and everything has kind of combined itself into my... Well, and I think that now might be the time that you start to see it, right? Like, it takes time for things to grow and transition, and then you can look back and be like, oh, this is how this feeds this, and this is how this feeds yeah. this. Only once you're looking back, you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, Obviously. exactly. And it's almost the universe. It's serendipity. It's like things present themselves to you, and then if you can look back at it and be like, oh, obviously that was supposed to happen. Or it's hard to be making something and step outside yourself. I think especially now when you're when you're so inundated with everybody's work and then you reflect on your own and you reflect on your own and it's like, I sometimes feel like that. Like I'm doing too many things and how does this all make sense together? But also it's like, then you have that moment where you're like, this <laughs> is how this all these things feed each other. Yeah. Right? So you went to photography school. I did. It was um, it was it was a Pasadena City College, so it was a small. It was kind of like junior art center, and I was gonna go on to art center. My teacher told me honestly, like I was already working and stuff, so I I she said I'd, I'd be wasting my money. It was a compliment, but I don't want to be. <laughs> she's like, you don't need that. You're already there. But um, I went to Pasadena City College, and I remember I look back on that time really fondly because all the photo students kind of just hung out together and printed in the darkroom together. It was before digital. So we were shooting big so negatives rare. and I, I want to bring, I want to start a darkroom again, just cause it's therapeutic. You go in there and all the lights are off and, and no matter what problems or anything you had going on in the world, you just go in there and it disappears and you just develop film. And it's that's so cool. It's like a Zen, Zen place. We're losing a lot of those. I know. Processes. I know. It's sad. Yeah. Got to keep them alive. How do you feel about school? How do you, how do you feel? Go ahead. Do you feel oh, like it's important? I do think parts of it. I, I never went the full university and art school and all that. And I've had dinners with people who have and, and they had so much background knowledge about certain things that I was like, oh, I wish I would have gone to more school. But it's, I think, in my case, I just start, I'm like really hands-on and I just started working and, and making things. So, and you can also learn while you're 
totally working. So I I do think school is cool, <laughs> but um, I think I think doing things and learning things on your own is is really good too. I don't think you need to go through a ton of formal training to do. To, especially to make art like that's something that should just come from totally. inside of you yeah. yeah and now it's like whatever technique you want to learn just, now you can google crazy. it <laughs> it's so crazy yeah okay so then what happened after the suicide girls i mean what was the progression you started shooting for them and yeah. was that kind of like was that the first professional no photography I mean, you were doing or? i was already working in film which almost caused I was worried it would be a conflict because I was on I remember being I was a focus puller on Zodiac which is directed by David Fincher and I had a Suicide Girls set come out like while I was on that job and I thought to myself what like what if they saw this like what if they knew I was naked on the internet would they think I'm less professional um So, like, those two things were happening at the same time. So I was already working professionally and then doing that on the side and had my band going and all of that. So I don't know. For the progression of that, what Suicide Girls led to was I when I did some of their films, Bennett had led to when I started doing my travel diaries. um, I could go anywhere in the world and there's already this family of, like, 10 girls who want to show me their country and I can sleep on their couch or whatever. So it was this built-in sisterhood of girls around the world that were were down to um, take me in. And, like, I did, you know, Europe and South America basically just staying with suicide girls. That's incredible to have that network. Um, since we mentioned pulling focus and being a first AC and being on a David Hincher film, do you... I mean, I think that let's I want to talk about that because I think that there's something I have this idea of like this balance to kind of like working the system where Mm -hmm. it's like you're using your craft to I don't want to say work for the man because that's a dope project. I mean, that's a dream in itself. Yeah. But using your craft in a smart freelance way that then enables you to make your art and kind of spider web off of that and then come back to it. And I feel like you have that in your life right yeah it's I'm definitely grateful because not only did I learn so much from being on all these sets and then now you have all these resources and and if you are good to everyone that you work with and you it's kind of like your extended family now when you're starting your projects they're there to help you and that was like one of the wishiest moments I ever had when these you know, gaffers or whoever, people I really respected came, wanted to help me start shooting my own stuff. I was like, really, me? Like, you want to, you want to, and they really always believed in um, some of the stuff I was shooting. So that's another benefit of kind of going through, working for the man is now you have a team of resources and you know, you know where to get equipment or you know yeah which is incredible you're instantly like I'm a professional (laughs) I have research (laughs) I'm doing this so um okay so let's talk about let's just talk about travel diaries cool because I'm obsessed with it and I want to say first that the first time I was introduced to it I saw the screening right at the silent movie theater and when was that like six years ago I was trying to think of that I think it yeah I think it was five or six years ago and it was this time of year that it came out because I remember it was around my birthday yeah yeah so oh yeah you have a birthday a big birthday coming (laughs) (laughs) um so we met yeah we met on set or through people working together on commercials and you invited me to this and we'd been friends and I mean, I didn't really know what I was going to. I'm like, everybody's going. You made a film. We'll have some drinks. But, like, it fucking brought tears to my eyes. Thank you. (laughs) It's so good. I'm just like, what has this girl been doing? This is dope. Thank you. So tell me about the inspiration behind it. What started it? I mean, give me the whole thing. Okay. Um... I, I was just thinking back to that. I was like, what did, but um, it was kind of basically out of 
my back was against the wall and I remember I was sharing a house and I also had this gallery and I had this huge overhead and then my gallery partner, you know, our lease was kind of up at both and the gallery partner moved out and then my roommate moved out and I was going to have, I kind of was just basically stressed out about, um, not, I would say, I guess finances, but just kind of this huge overhead and all these things that I realized some of them weren't that important to me. And I was like, well, I could work my butt off to, you know, make all these ends meet. And then it kind of just hit me that like I wanted to live and travel and create and be free. And I put, every, I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna book a flight and put everything in storage. And I moved out of the house and moved out of the gallery. And I was like, I'm just going to go to Europe and like hang out with some people I know out there and I'll bring some posters and I'll bring some cameras. And I didn't think I was going to shoot a movie. I was like, I'll just kind of shoot some stuff along the way. Because I think secretly my ulterior motive was to figure out a way to, to travel and make that your, like make a living off of it yeah. somehow. And still, you know, create along the way and all that. So I was like, well, I'll bring my cameras and see what happens. And then I started going through the footage and then I had been writing stuff along the way. And then I kind of just put it together with some commentary and it became what that one was. But I think what people related to is that it was honest, is that I was scared. I kind of didn't know what I was doing, but I knew something in me said, you have to do this. And it wasn't like, yeah, you know, like VIP out here, you know, check me out, I'm doing yeah. all this cool shit. I was kind of like, what if I come out and I just put my whole life away and I like make art that sucks? Or, you know, what if, you know, all these other ways it could go, but instead I just kind of told the honest version of, of that process. And I think that's what, or at least what people told me, that's what they related to. Yeah, I think that there's a lack of that. I mean, I told you off, I don't want to say off camera because we're not on camera, but off, <laughs> off mic. <laughs> off mic. And I think I've mentioned on the show already that it's like that's a lot of what this is born out of. Mm -hmm. Like people need that like relatable element. We are losing that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And people are always trying to pretend their life is something it's not. I mean, it's crazy. It's so curated. Yeah. It's so refreshing to see just like something honest and real and the struggle that people are really having. Yeah. And I think every artist struggles. They're not, we were talking about this earlier, but it's not like every day you're like, yeah, my ideas are the shit. Like yeah. I'm doing good work. Everything is going exactly according to plan. You wake up one morning and you're like, I feel really strongly about this. This is a great idea. I have to make this. And you're just kind of driven by this unguided or not unguided, but guided by forces of nature. And then the next day you can wake up and be like, that's the stupidest idea ever. What am I thinking? Like, I'm crazy. Why am I risking and sacrificing so much to make this? Like, and the next day you're like, no, it's good. And then you go through this roller coaster of emotion because at least for me, I get really attached to my projects. And, and so it just takes you on that roller coaster. Where does your inspiration usually come from and how does it come to you? Well, it depends on what and it varies, but as far as getting ideas, I get a lot of them when I'm on the road, like if I'm driving to Mammoth or something yeah. and you're just on an open road and all the fuzz shuts off. Um, and anytime you connect with the land, I think um, is a good inspiration because I think deep down that's where we come from. It's in our DNA that we came from the land and we've kind of stray further and further from it. And I think whenever you can kind of tap back into that, that's good inspiration. Music, listening to music um, is where I get a lot of visuals from. And then, yeah. <laughs> Which leads me to, um, you're making new episodes or you've made some new episodes. I, I don't know when they were made, but they were new to me when I saw them. Video or the... The for travel diaries yeah there's some that i want to make that i want i want to finally make it well one that official. i watched that totally relates to what we're talking about right now in the mountains and nature oh, okay. is yeah that's a travel diaries episode right yeah or like what are we calling that that i'm gonna yeah i'm still calling it that yes. okay right yeah okay so and i don't know if one day this name is gonna change like if i get 
it to make it into a series that's streaming somewhere if it'll still be called the sour travel diaries but i there hasn't been another title that presents itself to me yet. yeah totally and i mean it just conti- it's a continuation <laughs> oh yeah you changed your name right? yeah, yeah. Oh, to this yeah we changed the name like five times already <laughs> yeah <laughs> And I always tell people when I talk to them about it, if I, I've been meeting with a few production companies and whatnot, and I'm like, I'm not married to this title for it, but that's another. I mean, story. don't even get me started on the title thing. It's like, <laughs> it's just so beyond to let, yeah. you know, I don't know. Yeah. Because it's like one name can't describe an embody. I don't know. I'm just not a marketing person. I don't know. <laughs> so the episode I watched, um, a tribute to the mountains. I mean, I want to watch all of them, but in preparation to this, I saw that when I'm like, oh, I really want to watch this because I know how much the mountains means to you. You're always snowboarding. Um, first of all, that episode was incredible. I don't know. The, this, the, the stuff you're making, like, really moves me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I feel like that one, too, I just kind of, I was like, well, I want to go on this snowboard road trip, but I should just turn it into work. Also, because I'll no, turn it So I interviewed some people along the way, and and that's that's the story. Those inter- those people I talked to were really inspiring to me. So that's why I wanted to. Yeah. So them. you go on this episode. I don't. I'm calling it an episode. Like yeah, it's, it's already. An so you already have a show. Good. I have it. Yeah. That's right. Manifest. So you go <laughs> and meet Mike Giant. Yeah. And He's I awesome. was just like, this is just so fucking dope, and. Mike Giant quotes, he moved to he moved to Boulder to meditate, draw, smoke weed in the woods. <laughs> he's in this studio. I mean, a little intro about him is what? Like he's like a tattoo artist and graffiti artist. Yeah, right? he's really um prolific in the graffiti and tattoo world, which is why I thought it was cool that he kind of walked away. He's still a relevant artist, um, but he walked away from that whole urban connection to that to go create art out in the woods yeah I mean this guy is just doing it like you're sh- are you shoot are you're shooting everything mm-hmm. right obviously yeah so far I want one more person in the future, yeah it'd be yeah. nice to like break it up probably yeah. But, but yeah so you walk into his studio he's just in there just like the dopest art hanging out like with his, and then you have, like, an art night, and he's yeah. just, like, blazing and, like, drawing and, like, talking about meditating in the forest. I mean... I, the art night is super cool because I think creating around other people, even if you're not talking to them or or you are, it's just that energy of being around other creative people. And he just posted something, it was either today or yesterday, where he's doing a guided... He's going to take people out to the creek and they're going to meditate. Oh, my God. And then they're going to go back into the studio and draw in silence. And then, um, but yeah, so he's, he's, it's cool the way he's bringing artists together and it's in this mountain town. So what I want to ask you about is you talk about on there to be a rel- that we kind of have this idea that to be a relevant artist and still be in the mix, you need to be in the city. I don't think all of us have that idea, but living in LA, that's this they, I, I, like, can't get that out of my head, and that's something that I'm actively trying to release right now mm-hmm. because it's too much. Like, that sucks. Like, that idea that you're just trapped here. Right. That I'm not going to make anything good mm-hmm. if I leave. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you're going to be out of touch somehow. Yeah. With, yeah. I hate that shit. Yeah. I think, I mean, he, that's what I liked about his stories. It proves, because he's still pumping out work. Um, yeah. And. You can step away. I think in film and certain things that are location specific, but I, yeah, it's, you don't have to be in biggest metropolitan Well, you're proving that world. by everything that you're making for Travel Diaries, <laughs> you leave, the, like, L.A. <laughs> yeah, I want to do an L.A. tribute episode. Which though. is cool. There's nothing yeah. wrong with L.A. It's like, at the end, that'll be, like, where yeah. it all started. Yeah, yeah, totally. But you know what I mean. Yes. It's just, like, it's liberating to see you out there doing that. And, like, making this work and being alone. I mean, those shots with, what's your dog's name? Rosa. Rosa. My baby. (laughs) You and Rosa just, like, on, I don't know, alone on the road traveling. And then in that episode, you meet up with those two other girls who are so like-minded also that it's, like, the one just starts traveling alone by herself and that's what you're doing. I mean, how do you empower yourself to create that sort of like bravery and like no fear attitude. I think it just comes from doing it the first time anyone travels alone. They're 
you know, there's probably a lot of unknowns. And Do you remember the first time you did it? I think, I remembered, I thought back to, it wasn't a big trip, but I lived in the valley and I was driving, you know, I barely had a driver's license for a year or something. And I was driving to Santa Barbara, which was like over an hour away. It's in another <laughs> county. My friend had moved up there. I'm like, I'm going to come visit you in Santa Barbara. And I've, it was kind of scary to even yeah. just drive that far by yourself. And then once you did it, once you kind of conquer anything the first time, then you're like, oh, that was easy and that was fun. And okay, now, you know, then it opens up a whole new world of where else you can go. And and then it just, the more you do it, the, the more empowering it is because you've you've already done that before. Um, the girl that you interview in that episode talks about how she, um, I don't remember how she said it verbatim, but something to the effect of like, her life is broken down by trips, like who I was before this trip and who I was after this trip. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that in any sort of way with your trips or with your traveling, like how it shapes who you are? Yeah, for sure. There's definitely some big ones that changed a lot. And then I don't want to become jaded or anything, but now I've found that I can come back into normal life easier, which is good. Instead of having to uproot your, you know, someone will go on, now someone I'll know will go on a one week trip and they're back and they're like, oh, I'm just trying to get my life back together. I'm like, oh, that, you know, cause like try, (laughs) try, you know, leaving and putting your whole life away for two months and then starting from scratch. Like, and that's what I'm trying not to do anymore. But um, I think I adapt. I think I, I like being in a place where now I can come back and get back in the swing of things and be stable again, because then that makes it more possible for me to still go on trips without freaking out that I'm going to. Well, it puts you in more of a flow state, right? Instead of it being so jarring, like stopping, starting, stopping, starting, like you're in a flow and you can kind of, you've practiced it enough now to where you can kind of exist and everything's coexisting and it's. Yeah. 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 And still have, I think as much as I, like to be free and wild I think it does help me to have a home base or some sort of stability and to come back to a place and unpack instead of starting over each time but um but it but I think it's important to leave your life to where it's flexible to where you have some freedom to to leave your home base totally but then you have like a a check-in point and a point of like stability yeah yeah I used to be like, no, I don't, you know, I just want to be completely free. And now I realize that it does help my process to have some stability. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> totally. You're like, okay, I need to have like a home and like. Yeah. I was going to, I bought a trailer and I was like, I'm just going to go Oh live my gosh, this. yes. I sold it and bought a camper van, which now I want to take on trips. But um, I was completely ready and prepared to just go live in a trailer and find land to park it on and moved around the country but um so I but now I realize that it does help to have (laughs) somewhere to but go out for a little bit come back yeah do you have a place in Mammoth yeah I rent a room yeah okay because you go there quite frequently right yeah especially in the winter is it specifically snow season or are you Mm. going all year I just went for a week and I people always say how beautiful it is in the summer and now I always knew, but now I get it. Because in winter, you have one thing you can do. You can snowboard and everything else you can't really access. And in summer, there's like 100 million things you can access. Yeah. Waterfalls and hikes and paddleboarding. I don't mountain bike or rock climb, but they have all that. You're like, in theory, if you want to do (laughs) it. I like going on trails with my dog and just being on the water with the mountains all around you. How much are you creating when you're in the mountains as far as ideas and conceptualizing versus when you're in L.A.? And is do you notice a difference? I know. Yeah, I notice a difference. Actually, to be honest, the first few days up there, it's hard to be productive almost because of the altitude you get oh, up and it's, it's at like 10,000 feet. So you're you're not totally crazy, but you're you're a little lightheaded not lightheaded but you're not firing on all your cylinders the first day or two and then by the third day I'm I get um I can be productive and I get inspired but it's I always found it's also on the drive home like I'll be there I'll clear my head 
and then I'll be on the road and I'll have to pull over and I'll have a whole like video cut in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm going to forget this. So I'll pull over and write it all down. But um, going there, resetting is always, you come back strong. It doesn't all necessarily happen right when you're there, but you're, you're clearing your head and you're feeding yourself the good stuff. And then on, you come back like strong and ready to take on the next next project or next challenge. Yeah, totally. Do you feel like for every idea that you have, how many of those ideas do you execute? That's another hard part because I'd say a lot of them, but some of them might happen years later. Um, Do you feel like, I want you to continue, but when you say the years later thing, can you do that? Can you have something that you go back to years later that hasn't been done or hasn't or still resonates in the same way? I think if what my kind of radar is, is if it's still in my head years, like if I didn't make it right away, sometimes you have to strike when the iron's hot. But if you don't make it right away and three years goes by and you're still it's still in your head and you still want to make it, then I think that means it's something you should make. If it's lasted that long and you haven't forgotten about it, then that means like it's worth something because if it was just a stupid idea, it might've kind of drifted away or you could be like, Oh yeah, I once had that idea. Like I don't care anymore. But if it's still calling to you, then I think that that means there's some sort of strength to it. What are your thoughts on a creative collective consciousness? Specifically meaning the idea that there are ideas that need to be made and fulfilled and they're dropped into multiple people's brains to execute. Do you... Do you mean like a collective sub- subconscious? Yeah. Or, yeah. I I believe in that and sometimes it's um, frustrating because someone will make something and you're like, I had that idea. But yeah. then you can't be mad at them because they actually did it and you didn't um (laughs) so you're like well like you know they um but yeah I do think there is and you'll see a lot of the same things kind of happening around the same time I do think there's a universal intelligence and and a kind of subconscious that we're all feeding off of um there's a book then she describes it as like you know the universe has an idea Oh. They drop it into your head. You have X amount of time to execute it. Oh, okay. If you don't execute it, you know, so, it kind of flows into somebody else. Yeah. And then they may execute it. And I kind of see that that happens. And then also I agree with just what you're describing, which is it, on the same lines. Yes. Which is just like, why is it that we see everybody kind of doing and creating the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Different versions of it. Like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And then I, I, I like the first part of it, but I don't, I guess also there's other people who would say you'll, things will present them. Like the universe will, when, when the time is right, it'll happen. Um, and cause I don't know if I think if, if I was on a time limit with some of these, it would, freak me out because I mean I wish my like I would have made 10 more episodes of the show by now and I I put it out there but I think when hopefully soon when the time is ready it'll happen but I think it would be crushing if someone else did exactly the same thing that I wanted to do but um but I guess there is maybe an expiration on some ideas or like they'll flow through to other people but but I hope for some of them there's not like a Deadline. <laughs> no, I don't think it's necessarily. Yeah, I mean, I don't really like. I don't know if I really like or subscribe to that. Like I don't. It gives pressure. me too much. It gives me anxiety. So much anxiety. It's crazy. But I've also experienced having so much idea, so many ideas in my lifetime. Yeah. That I didn't end up following through with. That's just my own personal. Yeah. That you know cross that I'm bearing, mm-hmm. that then you watch people do that. I mean, that's why I kind of find that theory interesting because yeah. it's like I can have a totally original thought driving down the road or whatever, and it's like there's a fire that burns really strong at the conception of an idea, and it's like slowly, I think it starts to, or it can 
fade a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, it's sometimes you're super fired up about something and that's a good time to make things happen. And, and if you let time go by, you might be, it might have fizzled a little bit. Yeah. And those, so those are the things like strike when the iron's hot. And then, yeah, I'm hope, I think this with the travel diaries, um, for the next evolution of them, it's it's hard because I was doing everything on my own, and for the next part of it, I want a team and I want backing, and um, that's the part. I I almost sometimes I'm like I'm just gonna go keep doing it by myself so that I can keep doing it because rely you know. But it would be nice to have. That's the thing where it might take time. Well, I am gonna go with what you said that like <laughs> if an idea is still there three years later, you can do it because yeah. I think that if it's your own idea and it means something to you and it still means something no matter the duration of time then you should still execute it yeah if it's still I have ideas for a series I had not show series but a photo series that I had forever ago and it's still if it's still there I'm like and each year I'm like okay I'm making it yeah totally <laughs> and then I get wrapped up in the projects that come immediately and then I still have these ones from a long time ago that I still need to do I think it kind of that doesn't eat away at you, but I'm like, I, you know, it bothers me that I haven't done. But it's, you're only one person. You can only do I know. so much. It's I have so many things I want to do. And then also as an artist, like, it's hard to, how do you organize your thoughts and your priorities and your time? And then in conjunction with, like, making money and funding all of these projects. I mean, I remember as, I, like, in my teens, when I first just, like, started making shit and I was living in this art commune and blah, blah, blah. Oh, right. I remember my dad was like, you at least need to go work at Taco Bell <laughs> because this is cool, but, like, you have to pay for the paint and the whatever yeah. and the whatever. So it's like there is that balance of trying to be on and off the grid. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. Like, you have to fund it somehow. Yeah. 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 Totally. So... What are you up to right now? You're in a, you're in, are we going to say a screamo band or a metal band? Because I listened to it. And first of oh. all, let me just say that I haven't listened to like metal. It's not screamo, but go on. Yes. And like so long that I'm sitting there with the baby, just living my mom life. And I'm like, I need to like listen to this shit before I interview her. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it translates. It's a live kind of experience. Sometimes it's even hard for me to listen to oh, the recordings. Oh, it's so awesome, though. But it's, um, I guess, there's with metal, there's so many sub-genres and sub-genres of sub-genres to where there's black metal that instead of just being called black metal, it's called, like, North American isolationist black metal. Like, there's, and that means it's a guy who records by himself in his mom's basement. Like, that's what that metal Oh, means. my God. So there's so many, you know, power violence or whatever. But mine... Back in the day, we were together since 2000, and we broke up for a while. We just got back together. But um, back in the day, we were mostly referred to as grindcore, which started with bands like Napalm Death or Repulsion, if anyone knows of those. And then now we're kind of headed more towards the doom metal, which is like slower, heavier, kind of Sabbath-inspired, but time on, on a heavier knob with screaming and stuff like that. So that band started in, what, 2003? 2000 for eight or nine years and then broke up for eight or nine years and just... And what brought you guys back together? Well, I always missed it. When we broke up, at that point in my life, I had been in that band almost a third of my life and, like, my whole adult life. So when it went away, I felt like I lost a piece yeah. kind of, of my mojo or myself or something. It was a, It's a great outlet. It'll never be commercially successful, but it's really fun and it's one of my favorite forms of expression and um so I missed it always and I always wanted to start another band and for they all couldn't do it for their own reasons and then finally the stars aligned to where we could all and it's all still original members and oh my gosh yeah that's so dope it's so fun to me you know it'll never be on the radio or anything like that but um it's I look forward to practice it's a release like it's just it's the best therapy and it's just fun and it's powerful you're screaming and I feel like I'm like bringing shit up from the earth <laughs> like screaming it out I love that because I think that having a form of self-expression 
is so important and vital and cleansing and therapeutic. Yes. And really feeds the rest of the work, right? I yeah. mean, it's yeah. everything you do as a creative person or an artist doesn't necessarily have to be like commercialized yeah. in a money-making thing. And that's where I think even I've been guilty of it. You can lose track of along the way. Because when I was first in photo school, you just made pictures that you wanted to make. And then when you start working as a photographer or whatever, you start thinking of everything like, well, how can I monetize this? Or what is this for? Is it for a show? Is it for... And, and sometimes I've had to force myself to let go of that and just make things for the sake of making them. And also I try to pay attention to what excites me. Like sometimes I'll be like, oh, I should be working on this. But I try to have a little signal that if I'm really excited to do something, that's that's a good indicator. And if something's like I'm putting off or I feel like I should do it for my reel or whatever, but it's not giving me that excited energy, um, I've been trying to pay more attention to that. And the band's something that excites me. And I was actually in two bands for a minute. And one of them, I was like, it, they were great, but I just wasn't looking forward to it. I was kind of dreading going to the practice. And I realized having that in my life was taking away from, if you anything you put yourself into creatively, if it's not feeding you in the right way, it can mess up other parts of your yes. creative work. So I quit the second band because I, I needed, I did, it was like, lowering my creative morale so I needed to save that for other stuff I love oh my god I'm just I fucking love that you just <laughs> said all of that because I'm reading and following and just kind of refinding out about this dude Joseph Campbell and he talks about the rule is follow your bliss yeah so you basically just describe that like a lot of artists and just people in general people humanity you don't have to be an artist but you're like, where do I go? What do I do? Am I this person? Am I that person? And like when you're in that state, just follow your bliss. Yeah. What decision should I make? Should I be in this one band? Should I not be in this band? Yeah. And that's what you're saying, like that feeling inside of you. Yeah. And ask yourself, like, what would I be doing if, if money wasn't even a factor? And then hopefully if you truly follow your heart, may, you know, the money will follow money. I also... Money's not a bad thing. I've had to get over, like, my punk rock ideals of, like, <laughs> we don't need... It is nice because you can buy the paint or the camera or whatever you need to be able to create. But um, but I think first ask yourself, like, what would you do even if, they're, like, you did, money didn't exist or... I think asking yourself that question doesn't necessarily have to mean that you don't care right, about money. Right, right. It's just a tool in order to getting back to it, like the finding your bliss thing. Yeah. Because in this world, especially right now, where you're inundated with everybody else's content, it's hard to figure out what you really want to do mm-hmm. or what you really want to make. Right. And that's a good question to ask because then you're like, am I doing this for the sake of monetizing or is this truly the work that I'm supposed to be making? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that's really... I don't know. Sometimes that's a hard question, though, to actually answer because there's a lot of conditioning behind it, too. Yeah, there's the conditioning. But then if you just pay attention to how how does it make you feel, like, when you think about doing it or when you're doing it and then use that as your compass, it helps. What is your day? What do you what is your day to day life look like right now? Oh, oh, yeah. You asked me what I was up to. And we started talking about middle. So I have. Well, no, that's part of it. Yeah. You have band practice yeah. after this, right? Yes, I'm going to practice. Yeah. Um, I want to know I've, what a day in your life looks like I've, and then a week. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I tried to narrow it down because we, you know, we said we have so many different things we like to work on. And right now I'm trying to just focus on a few main things. So I have, you know, some day job camera operator type stuff that I'm doing, but I'm editing. Um, I was on the road for six weeks with the Suicide Girls Black Heart Burlesque tour. Red. And I filmed a documentary and I'm editing it, which is like a massive undertaking. Because um, oh, I've edited, you know, short little things. Yeah, but how many like hours a, of footage is it? Like a billion? Yeah. And then it's <laughs> at the end, it'll be, you know, 90 minute or two hour movie. So I'm just trying to take it section by section. Yeah. And I've never been a structured person because with schedules, at least, because we work in freelance and you could work 20 days in a row and then have two weeks off. But I've kind of had to put myself on a schedule. So I've 
days that I edit for that. And then I have days that I work on my personal projects, like photo shoots or I've been screen printing again. And then, um, yes. and then band stuff. And then also still trying to, um, develop the next phase of the travel diary. Screen printing clothes or are you going to go back out in the streets? I'll do some posters. Um, but I'm, I'm starting some clothes. Yeah. Cool. And I've never considered myself a fashion person, but I've, that was one of the things where I've always kind of wanted to make some clothes. And then I would tell myself like, that's crazy. You have too many things you're trying to do. You should just focus on directing or whatever. Like don't distract yourself with making clothes. But then I listened to the, that little compass inside of us. And I was like, but I'm excited about making clothes. And this other thing, some of it I'm excited about. Some of it just feels like stuff I should be doing, not necessarily want to be. So I was like, I'm going to pay attention to what's exciting me. And it's fun going in. There's this place called the Scum Dungeon where all these people screen print. And um, I go in there and I print and it's, I like it. And it's like down and dirty, like graffiti that's awesome. kids. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, that's so awesome. And it's like, why do we have to put these limitations on yeah. ourselves? Like, you know, these titles. Yeah. You're like, I'm a director and I'm not going to make clothes. <laughs> why? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. like crazy. Do you yeah. have any daily practices like something that you do daily to check in or? Yes, actually. I was like, well, there's, and then I realized it doesn't happen every single day, but I read that book, The Artist's Way. Yes. And the main takeaway from that was the morning pages. So I try to, most mornings, sit down and write. It's just three pages of stream of consciousness. And um, at first, like the very first time I was like, this is stupid. Like not stupid, but I was like, why can't you just write it in a laptop or whatever? And then you start to realize why the book is important because you kind of, it might sound way hippy dippy or cuckoo, but you kind of develop a relationship with this book. And then what you do realize, and they probably say this in the artist ways, you kind of channel, you just makes yourself a channel to the universe or to even what your own true voice would be saying if but you don't really listen to it so if you just kind of write whatever even if you're just writing a problem like oh this one thing is bothering me by the end of the paragraph it's kind of already solved itself you're like oh all I have to do is look at it this way and it's better and and then I get a lot of creative ideas when I'm writing on it and it's just that's been a really awesome practice Um, I try to meditate but it doesn't happen every day but Writing, though, is a form of meditation yeah. Yeah. in that way, like just doing a stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. You're checking in and like helping to quiet your mind and get the yeah, flow you get out. All the, and yeah, even if you just write a to-do list or something, like it's just kind of getting it out of your head so that now you can, your mind's open for creative stuff. And then I try to do meditation, but I do notice a difference when I'm doing it more often, but it doesn't always stay consistent. But it's something like it's on my list. Yeah. I need to meditate more. It's it's good. And then it's hard to have, say, a full day every day practice, but those are a few. Walking and then, Yeah. I mean, a typical day if I did enough to be on set would be like make coffee, play music, write the pages, walk the dog, hopefully get some physical activity in and then sit down and edit would be my days. What lately. are you listening to right now? It's so all it's always been all over the place. If I'm writing morning pages, I'll listen to sometimes jazz kind of stuff, but then, you know, then I'll work and listen to like do metal, but I also, you know, or rap or it's always been so Yeah. So all over. I'm trying to think what's a favorite right now, but. Depending on the mood. Yeah. But I do go to a lot of, I've been going to a lot of metal shows, especially now that we're playing again. It's fun to be back in the in the loop. Yeah, totally. Them. And there's a big, crazy <laughs> Las Vegas Metal Fest thing coming up called Psycho Fest. What? It's crazy. I went last year. It's like four days of, um, it's an endurance test by the end, but it's four <laughs> days of metal at the hard rock and every all these you walk in and you're like what did I just walk into because but it's fun it's like you're with your people because you go into the hard rock and it's all these like back patches and long hair and all this and then they have two three stages two stages and a pool stage so they have a a splash pit instead of a mosh pit there's like people in the pool like 
yes. splashing. It's so fun. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> so awesome. And you just go and you see crazy shows for four days and everyone, it's it's nuts. Um, I'm A goal would be like maybe in a few years I would love to play. But we're, we're, we've been gone, so I have to wait till we get, get our... So I want to uh, drop in a song of yours. Oh gosh! Okay. Into this, uh, they're so not listener like, friendly though. <laughs> no, but it, but we have to play a moment. Okay. So oh. you know, like we can do it probably after we finish recording. We'll do it after. Okay. We'll drop it in so you can help I me can, pick something. I can yeah. There's a few like classics. And then the newer stuff will be slower and easier. But there's something, right, that we can throw on for, like, a few seconds? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I want to. Okay. Okay, cool. We'll find something right (laughs) now. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you I'm so stoked that you came. Thanks for having me. inspiring. Thank you. You're the best. You're the best. Do you have anything coming up? You have a show coming up, don't you? Oh. Or anything we should look out for? Yeah. I mean, it's a small show. I'm doing a little show for my birthday in Boyle Heights at Boulevard. The name of the band is Watch Me Burn. And then hopefully by the end of the year, that burlesque documentary will be done. And hopefully- Yeah, what's the goal for that? When are you, they're trying to complete it by the end of the year? Well, I I think it's, there's not a hard deadline. I was naive and I quoted them, I'd be done with a rough cut by September, but that's, I'm gonna modify that. <laughs> December. And then who knows where it'll come out. There are other movies came out on Showtime and DVD. This one- We'll see. And then hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be um, shooting the next phase of my show. I'm so excited for that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Okay, I'm cool. glad you like it. Thank I you. know. I love it. I will put up all your links and everything because the show, I'm obsessed with the show. Thank you. It has to get, yeah. something's going to happen. I'm obsessed with it. with it too. And then you, like, I'm like, should I move on to the next thing? But I'm just, I'm stuck with it. No, you, it's good. Cool. Like, it's, it's, yeah. All right. I'm going to stick with it. All maybe right. one day we'll look back on this moment. Be yeah. like, remember when yeah. you had a really got to make your show? Cool yeah, idea? maybe like in a couple months. We'll yes, look back. yes. High five. All right, cool. Love you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you believe in our mission, please rate, review, and subscribe. If you would like to get involved, please find us on social media.